Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Hi, I'm Roger LeMaint. I'm the president and CEO of UX Corporation. We're one of the largest uranium junior companies in the in the in space. We're focused in the Athabasca Basin. We have a portfolio of assets that range from development ready and emerging producer projects all the way through to grassroots projects. We're probably we're going to be a producer in the next two stages of the uranium cycle uh, with a long-term sustainability due to our, our very impressive portfolio of opportunities spanning from resource level projects all the way to grassroots level projects. Welcome back, Roger. Thanks for having me back. Well, we spoke, we spoke Friday and we went through the JCU conversation. So if people want to talk about JCU, Denison, et cetera, check the link below. Really fantastic conversation. One of my favorite of the year, actually. Uh, check that below. Today, we're going to talk about the business of running the business, which is the day job um, when you're not doing an M&A. Okay, so um, I want to start off with a, li- a little bit about, it's, it's like we, we, said on, we said when we spoke last week, Things have changed. The playing field has changed. Now, with that deal, the JCU deal, the one slash Denison deal, things have changed. So you're going to have to start thinking about things differently. Um, you're going to be perceived differently in the marketplace, and those conversations will change. So let's talk about what Wheeler River and Millennial means for the business. Well, it's a definite shift in the focus of where our company goes. Instead of being sort of broadly focused exclusively on growth and focusing on on earlier stage and mid stage projects, we we're going to have that opportunity uh, to focus on or not focus on, but we participate in in future production in the next couple of the next one or two cycles. But since we're not the majority operator or the operator majority owner of those projects, it frees up resources to be able to continue to grow the company. And so while we have a little bit, I wouldn't say it's autopilot, but you know, kind of like autopilot when it comes to Weeder River, our job is not is to hold the, the operator accountable. Uh, that doesn't take the same amount of energy or effort as it does to be the operator. Uh, it allows us to sit there and say, okay, let's look at the rest of our portfolio. How do we grow and continue to grow our our higher end or more more well-developed projects to, to maintain production over the long term. So instead of sitting there saying, okay, we got a portfolio of assets and we're ready to move and develop some of these forward, we can say, okay, we're really only going to focus on the top tier projects uh, in the future and try to grow the company's resources and our ability you know, with things that are in our control, uh, like at Shake, you know, like at uh, we'll hopefully be Shake Creek and at our, our Christie Lake projects. And it allows us to let go of, in terms of, uh, of some of our earlier stage projects and find partners on them. And maybe even some of the ones that are, that are, that we would focus on in the last year or so before the JCU transaction and say, yeah, things like hidden Bay, maybe there's pieces of that. It's a monstrously large project that would be substantial flagships for a lot of our smaller peers. Maybe it's time for us to, to let our partners start to operate some of those. Cause we won't be able to even operate those uh, uh, like we have been over the last couple of years. So it, it, it creates a lot more opportunity to see more of the portfolio working with other people's uh, resources and money. Okay, well, let's talk about the, leave the growth bit for now. I want, I want to focus on the, on the production bit because you now talk about it, right? You, now mm-hmm. you are effectively a producer. And, and it's, it's, that, it's that language or perception in the marketplace, which, you know, I referred to being able to have conversations with, you know, banks and financiers and in, in, with, it, with a different different tone of, of voice here. So, can you, can we can we focus on what well, you actually used a phrase that was just kind of like 
be in production in one or two cycles. What does that mean? Well, when I look at the the next uh, some things that are probably likely going to go, especially in Canada, in the next run in price, I think well, the, well, we're excited about uranium now. I can't say that at today's prices there's going to be anything new coming on. I mean, I think. Uh, there's possible projects coming on. I mean, Wheeler River is one of the lower, potentially one of the lower cost projects out there. So yeah, it could come on. But it's, you know, I think most investors kind of like that capital return and they probably need to see a bit of a higher price before they put substantial investments in the ground. So in that next price movement that spurs on the next level production, uh, we're going to have a piece of the ownership at Wheeler River. We're going to have a piece of the ownership at at, uh, at Wheeler River, which is you know Griffin and Phoenix, and that will allow us. You know, those are the most likely two of the three most likely projects to move forward, at least in Canada, in the next cycle. And we're going to be participating in that. But but we also have assets that probably aren't ready to go today, or maybe in the next twelve months to move forward. That when you look at the next cycle would be the ones that replace the things like your existing cigar lakes and your MacArthur rivers and, uh, and projects that might come into production, like you know, your arrows and your, and your, uh, and your Phoenixes in the next, in the current sort of run up. Uh, so it gives us that longer term sustainability. That's a Kigavik or a Shea Creek uh, or Horseshoe Raven for us. Okay. But what I'm trying to get is, is, is the time frame. You know, people talk about cycles, mm. right? And it's like, okay, so two years or five years, 10 years. What, what, are, we, what are we talking about here? Because obviously people hark back to 2011, oh, Fukushima, that was the last cycle, right? And now we're sort of seeing some sort of momentum towards the end of this year, beginning of next year, where we perhaps there is price discovery and that's fine too. But and that price discovery then should allow companies to get back into production or for for development companies to get into production. So that's all good. And, you know, Millennial and Wheeler Creek is potentially your way to actually, you know, say, I am a producer. What's the next cycle? What's the second cycle? When's how far away is this? Gosh, if uh, I wish I knew exactly what that would be, but if you were to look at the uranium cycles, they kind of they finally follow a ten-year cycle. So you're probably looking this cycles in the next year to five years. Uh, the following one's probably ten years down the road, and you just look at the last cycle to give you kind of an indication of where that is. I do think the next cycle, the one that follows this one will probably come quicker only from a supply point of view because the supply is going to be a little more challenging. You look out a decade from now, Kazakh, you know, Kazakhs are going to be on the on the backside of their curve and debatable about whether you know head grades go down, they start mining lower grade material. But your monster projects like your MacArthur Rivers and your Cigar Lakes are going to be at the end of their lives. And so there's going to be tremendous demand. So I, I, I believe that the second cycle is probably shorter than historically has been the case between the between the peaks. But I'm also a little bit biased. I'm in the uranium sector. But when you look out and say, okay, I'm going to replace the MacArthur River. Um, you look at most projects out there nowadays, that's that's four or five projects, not one. You get lucky and find an, 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 an arrow. Uh, sure, it's one to one. But most situations you're buying, you're, you're picking up four or five millenniums. Or if you're picking up uh, an ISR project, you're buying, you know, 10 of those or getting put 10 of those into production. So because those big, big projects are going to be on their downslope, I think there's lower, there's less window of time between that next sort of replacement uh, pounds to get into the market. Right. Okay. So you just bought into the producer league, okay, when things get going again with those two assets, you've got a small part, non-controlling interest. In, in those, is that, is that right? That's correct. Okay, fine. 
And um, with regards to the growth, so right, so you can't do anything about that. You've got to wait for price discovery. You've also got to wait for your JV partner to actually do stuff with that. And you may be the beneficiary of that. But the bits that you are in control of, your, your growth portfolio, we'll, we'll call mm-hmm. it. Shea Creek, Christy Lake, those are the two that people talk about most, you talk about most. How do you play that now? That That's so different from the way you would have before the Chase EU deal. Well, I think it, we play that a little more focused. And what I mean by that is instead of sitting there saying, okay, we're going to do work a little bit of work on these other projects uh, as time being, you said, no, we'll just over the next couple of years, focus exclusively on those projects to get them to, uh, to meet, you know, you can always look at things two ways when it comes to this exploration work, you can go really fast and hope to hit something. You can go really slow and be methodical. And I think our process has always been a little more scientific and methodical. I think we now accelerate those pro- the expiration on those projects to do uh, to do a little bit more than invest a little bit more than we have in the past, and and to the detriment maybe of our earlier stage projects and saying okay we haven't had to spend a lot of money to hold those but now we don't need to spend any money on those at all uh, in the future because I don't think we have to grow. Um, our approach has always been to grow a target inventory. It may be project independent. I think what you'll see now is our focus will be exclusively on four-ish, three, four of those projects as opposed to what, what other targets exist across the rest of our portfolio and how do they rank. And, and we like to look at the, not so much the project, but the which is the best targets to test first. And so a little blinder to those earlier stage projects. Understood. But are you going to be able to raise money more che- easily and more cheaply as a result of the JCU deal having this sort of we'll call it relatively near-term production? Uh, yeah, I believe so. I believe so it, uh, because we're closer to that production, because we're sitting on, uh, we've just become uh, the fifth largest resource holder in the junior space in the globe and third largest in the Athabasca base. And it, it, it changes things substantially in terms of how you know people who have or looking at the space or who have been ex- excluded from working with us because of our size. Uh, can now sort of think about us. And and so I think, yes, it will help. Will it always be cheaper? Well, you, you hope so. Uh, you certainly hope so. And we'll be positioning ourselves to make sure it's cheaper. But but yes, I think it just it just changes. It broadens out the, the, the investor appeal uh, to a wider audience. If I look at some of the, the deals that have been done in the uranium junior space in the past 18 months, in terms of fund, oh, fund, fundraising, right? It's been from a position of weakness. They've had oh, yes. to do deals to keep the lights on, to survive, to reach this moment of where you, you're sort of sensing that things something's a little bit closer. My gee, hasn't it always been for the last four years. Um, is <laughs> is um, do you start to have a choice about with regards to the types of people that you will do business with? Because if I look at some of those deals, I'm like, oh boy, that deal was punitive and destructive to shareholders. And the optionality with the lenders is, well, it's all on their in their favor. Oh no, that's definitely changed in the last twelve months, uh, and increasingly so. Uh, I think back to our May twenty nineteen financing, where we put it together on our own without a lot of help. Uh, it was uh, a lot more scrappy. I think I would call it a lot more uh, a lot more people needed or groups needed to to put that money together. Uh, to put together a couple million dollars. And now you have groups saying, yeah, I'd rather be in for a much larger chunk of money at this point in time. Uh, and it's so it's it doesn't take as much um, 
enough many people to put together the same amount of money uh, or, or funds put together the same amount of money. And I think you've seen a, a change in a part of it's a change in the quantum that you see people raising in the last little while, you know, from to keep the lights on money, a couple hundred thousand to a couple of million dollars to, to tens of millions of dollars, uh, you know, and, and some deals here recently you know, up to a hundred million dollars on opportunities that are not necessarily, you know, that's the kind of raising you kind of see when you see development happening, but they're not quite at the development ready stage or not putting that into development. So certainly, certainly changed. The ESG component has changed uh, and people coming into uranium because it's, I think a lot of uranium companies, particularly in Canada, get a really positive ESG component to, or thought to it, you know, and, and based a lot upon the incumbents that are in the space that have done phenomenal work, uh, on the ESG front and our world leaders. So um, I, I do see that, I do see that changing. I do see that, uh, I, I see a very different, uh, two years ago when we called people, it was like we had leprosy and nobody wanted to come anywhere near us. Uh, and I think that wasn't unique to our company. It was unique to the space, it was to the space. Now people are calling up out of the blue saying, we'd like to know more. So it's a definite, it's a definite change. And I think being a, a larger company with a larger resource and closer to the emerging production, uh, puts you on a lot more radar screens. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a very big consideration now for the but uranium genius should be able to take advantage of the, of that changing narrative in the market. Um, just on um, the focus, which is Shea Creek, Christie Lake, you've announced uh, some drill programs. Um, do you want to sort of talk through? Well, how much money have you got actually right now? We have about five and a half million in the bank right now. Okay, so we're not not in a, in a bad spot. Okay. We're seeing all the things you want to see around deposits that uh, on our two areas at Christie Lake that we've, we're going to follow up on this year. And depending upon results, I, I hope we don't get back to what we call the A trend, which is the first strand of the MacArthur River Fault structure that comes onto our property before it jumps across to where our deposits are, um, because that means we've, we've got success along the way. So if we don't, if we get to A conductor, I'll be saying, yeah, well, the targets didn't pan out. But I, I, I think you know, it's, it's really the kind of stuff that our team does really well. Um, you know, any, I can't say anyone can do grassroots exploration where you drill a hole and hope for the best and based on things, but it's putting together that jigsaw puzzle with the, with half the pieces missing. And it's what this team does really well. And so we've got, we're really happy with the pieces that we're seeing at Christie Lake to follow up on that with, with more drilling. Um, as Shea Creek, you know, that one was still there. I, it's still our highest priority project in the portfolio. It's still challenged with our friends at Arano uh, with their things. We've been talking to them about getting things restarted again for 2022 uh, with JCU deal being so in time intensive, that's been put on the back. That was put on the back burner here. Uh, we'll be talking to them again, but I don't think there's any doubt amongst us and them that that the targets that our teams identified are really high priority. The question will be, what does Arano's budgets look like for next year? And then if they don't have the funds, what can we do to make that project go forward? Okay, so I want to talk about this year. You've had a great year, low of 12, high of 50. Okay, you're at, thir <laughs> you're at 38. Um, around the time, just for pre-announcing JCU deal, you, you were sort of you know hovering near 40 cents. Okay, so the market likes the uranium story this year. You announced the uranium, the JCU deal, and then what happened happened. Um, you, the market got a little bit disappointed, right? Um, so, how do you get people over that hump, that disappointment? Because you, we had a conversation on, on last week about how it went down. 
you ended up with a deal. It's maybe not the you know, miraculous, spectacular deal that you, you hope to be able to get. It's still a really solid deal, a really good deal. Um, but the market hasn't yet reacted to the Denison UEX deal in a positive way. No, not yet. I think for us, it's about trying to get people to understand what the deal means for the company uh, and that it's <laughs> when you look at what we bought and what we paid for it and what the market currently values, it's, it's trying to get people to understand uh, that even without doing anything, there's, there's value here to be had. Uh, and then anything that comes along on top of that is going to be a, a bit of a bonus in the short term. Uh, so yes, you know, if we're buying cents at buying pounds at 42 cents on two of the next three development projects in Canada um, that are valued at, at, at an order of magnitude higher that, you know, maybe there's room there for us to see movement in a space. And then I think for the, for the, what's more classic UX portfolio is getting people to, to understand that the, well, obviously there's a discount on our pounds compared to our peers uh, and, and helping people understand through the work doing work on the ground that no, those are high quality pounds. Uh, they might not be as, as sexy as some of the things you see out there, but on a dollar for dollar basis or pound for pound basis, they're just as valuable. And I think that's that's incumbent on our management team to try to get that message out there. Things like what Shake Creek can do if we were to, you know, and, and if we grow that by finding the next basement hosted deposit there, uh, what Horseshoe Raven can mean. And maybe it's not the next, it's not the next arrow. But you slunk that project down in Wyoming and everyone's all going gaga over it because it's a fantastic project in the low cost half of the, of the curve. So uh, that, that's, that's where we, you know, we need to do better as a management team is, is people, help people understand our current portfolio. I think the JCU stuff will come out in time. Yeah. Okay. I, I get this going to be a little bit that you're going to, you've got the chance to focus. Okay. You, we're a producer. I think we, we have got sharing assets, which will be, the first new assets that come into production. Great. With your assets, I asked you earlier, what's the difference between what you were going to do versus what you are going to do? You, you haven't mm. got more money. You're not allocating more money to the drill program. I didn't hear you say that. Um, do you think these growth stories need a little sax and sizzle to them? You know, you've seen what, they, what you know, a lot of your neighbors in Athabasca Basin have been doing with their projects and it's all, all down to you know, the high grade numbers that they've been throwing out and you said pound for pound ours are very valuable what's that what's that mean what's that mean for investor why why look at you guys well you know the, the funny part of is, is is i think if you're looking at a cash flow situation how much do you make for every pound that, to, that you develop and and you know raven horseshoe for example we've had it since the company's inception uh, it's not monstrously large sized it's pretty decent size compared to say a usisr producer company uh, but when you look at the pea that's been done there and you look at the cost of doing millennium you look at the cost of, of eagle point you look at the cost of MacArthur river on a pound for pound basis it makes just as much money it's just not as big it's not as high grade. So people go, ooh, eh, it's not, it's not 10% grade. Well, yeah, it's it's 0.3% grade, but dollar for pound for pound, it makes just as much money. So it's a solid, you know, part of our sustainability or get people to understand that, you know, hey, this is a good asset. It's not as sexy because it's not as high grade, but dollar for pound for pound exploited, it makes just as much money. Okay, but so, okay, well, uh, give us give us something to work with though. So how much smaller is it? You know, pound for pound, I get it. But if it's 
1,000th of the size, then, you know. Well, fair enough. So you're looking at, you're looking at something that's 37 million pounds. So when, but, but the cost to bring it to production is a fraction of what it cost into the Athabasca project. We don't have water issues the same. We don't have the, 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 the support issues when it comes to really strong clay alteration that prepares special freezing techniques. So it's conventionally mined. It doesn't have the, because it's lower grade, you don't have to put in special, super special radiation protection measures. Uh, it can be mined using more conventional techniques. So on a pound for pound basis, it does, it does really well because it's an order of magnitude lower grade, but it's an order of magnitude lower cost. Okay. But the pound, but the in a drum, it's worth just as much money. What's the PA? So what, what, give me some of the numbers. Sorry? What's the PA? PA break even was forty five dollars a pound. Okay. So yes, it's not there today. I think that when you compare that to a millennium, that's pretty comparable. Absolutely. Uh, so yes. Um, but an MPV of what? MPV of about one hundred and sixty million dollars. Right. So it's small. So it's not it's not a monster project. It, it's more comparable to to a project you see in the Western United States, for example, or in South Australia, where you're looking at a couple million pounds a year, or a million pounds a year is a high end. At Horseshoe Raven, you're probably looking at two to three million pounds a year on a steady state basis. Um, so, but it's comparable to an operation like that, I think. And so, yeah, it's not going to be the company maker, but it's certainly gonna be something that's gonna help sustain the company uh, when you know we look at a Wheeler River coming to the end of its life, and there's a project there to be had okay, look, to keep production. Right? So let's, let's let's look at what we should be looking. We should be prioritizing the order of these, right? Because that's a small project. It's it's not yeah. nothing. It makes money, our, our, right? Our number one growth project is Shea Creek. So let's talk about Shea Without Creek. What's what's going on there? Are you going to raise more money? Double your spent, treble your spent. How are you approaching it? Well, it's a, it's a pretty easy to do better than zero, which has been where we've been the last couple of years. So, you know, we have a plan that would spend probably $10 million over a three to four year window to test the 10 high priority targets where we've identified mineralization or structure and alterations all combined uh, that hasn't been tested in the basement rocks. And we are particularly important to look in the basement rocks down below. That's when we look at the existing resource at Shea Creek, half of it's at the Kiana deposit. There are four deposits that are essentially linked together over three kilometer trend. Uh, and the bulk of those are in the basement along the, the cross the cross-cutting faults. And then and then when anyone tells you high grade deposits at the Basque form where two faults come together. And always the case. And it doesn't matter which project you talk about, it's always the case. So we've identified those cross-cutting faults and we see that their mineralization within them, but they were never tested. And it sounds really crazy to say, uh, but this is exactly the kind of stuff that we, this team did. And when, when I was at Eagle Point, we, we recognized that people weren't testing these things and boom, there's a new discovery. Uh, Millennium has a cross-cutting fault. That's the key to the, to the high grade resource. MacArthur River has those. We see 10 more of these that have not been tested. Oh, sorry, they've, they've, they've put a hole in it, but never been able to understand that they were thinking they're going to force that square peg through a round hole. They didn't realize that things are going in a slightly different direction. And I think what we can do is demonstrate, we've demonstrated to the partners that, yeah, for a very modest investment to find another 50 million pounds through another canna would make that deposit the second largest undeveloped deposit in the basin. And it's, it's if it was in, if I was still managing chemicals projects, this would be way up on our list of priorities way, way up, but if not the number one, one, maybe, maybe more working at MacArthur river or what might be a little higher or shake or at, uh, at cigar Lake might be a little bit higher grade per priority, but this will be way up there. So if you're so confident about that, why don't you take your newfound position, go and raise a stack more money and get after this? Because at the end of the day, we don't 
only, we don't have control of the project at this very moment in time. So I and so that is our number one priority because we think that's the best exploration project in the basin at, at that sort of resource level project that would be and it needs it needs more work. Our friends at Arano, a little more financially constrained right now. Um, don't know where they're coming or going, what they're doing. We've, we've shown them this, that the person who runs the projects there was, or runs exploration there was the person involved in the discoveries of these back in the day. So they do believe, it's a question of whether they believe with their money. But, well, that's the point. But we've had the same conversation about Iran over the last couple of years. So the, yeah. the, they are, they've got issues elsewhere in the world. They've obviously, Niger is, you know, they've, they've closed the Kamenak down and et cetera, et cetera. So why... Can't you go and have a conversation with them? You're good at negotiating, I've heard. So why don't you go and have a conversation? Say, look, we, we will we will do take more control over this situation and how whatever that looks like in terms of the the the, the, the split going forward with between the two of you. You're, you're assuming we haven't then, because we we have been talking to them. Uh, it's just a question of getting to a point where both sides agree. And, and, and that's just part of the negotiating process. And I like to say it goes fast. I mean, we put it, we put it on the back burner when JCU opportunity came up because it was the one that was time sensitive. Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, everything's time sensitive, of course, but uh, it took all of our energies to get JCU across the line. And we had to put that on the back burner for a couple of months. But yeah, it's, you know, it's probably one of the biggest things we're going to focus on post-closing of JCU. Okay. And what could that... What could that deal look like? <laughs> I don't know. There's there's a zillion opportunities of, of things that we can do. There's there's trades. There's there's outright purchases. There's you no know, adventure option earnings, uh, and it really comes down to what what the other what you know what we're willing to pay and what they're willing to to do. Or and at this point in time, you know, major companies are not often liking to be in a situation with their minority partners. So it, it sounds really simple. It will just do an option earning. Well, not, not everyone, not every major company wants to be in the minority stake position. So that, that's a bit of a challenge for them. Uh, on the other hand, you know, I, I look at that and go, you know, I look at things a little bit differently than, than some of the bigger companies do and say, it's great when someone takes on the high risk work for you and then you can be predatory if necessary. Um, but uh, Arano's predatory history hasn't been kind to them. So so how, how does it work with uranium assets? Not just uranium genius, uranium assets, okay? You, how long can you sit on that and do nothing? <laughs> oh, I, I do not understand that. I, I know it happens frequently. I mean, gosh, the, the industry is ripe with those. I mean, cigar like sat forever because they had to figure out how to mine it. Longer Heinrich was available. You know, Borshoff picked that up for next almost nothing. In fact, if I, the legend was there was more scrap material and machinery on there than what he paid for it. Um, and, and they become world-class assets. And, and it's, uh, I do not understand the process. Uh, to me, it's, uh, even when I worked in the majors, it was all about, wouldn't you like to know what this, the potential of this is before you get to a certain point? I, I look at it, you know, and I don't want to pick on our friends at Arano, but it's hard sometimes to sit there and say, hey, you have a resource problem coming. Don't you want to know what's here now so you can make the right decisions? Um, and at the end of the day, I, I can't I can't tell you why they think the way they do. Um, personally, I think for the amount of money that we're looking to invest, you know, ten million dollars split between two companies to test these ten cars to prove a concept and find out whether you have one of the largest deposits in the basin, especially with what's happening in the neighborhood, 
is really, you know, it's time sensitive now, you know, there's, there's going to be development projects in that part of the basin. And, uh, you know, for us, we want to be part of that. We want to be part of that story and part of, part of the decision-making that's going on there. So it's time sensitive and uh, Arano might feel differently about that. They, they are a lot more patient. They're certainly a lot more cautious. Uh, the producers tend to be um, a lot more like their clients and being risk averse and, and have a much more negative view of where the uranium space is going. Um, but, you know, I look at the next, the next run and you think, you know, we had a huge spike in 2008 and, you know, at that time, Kazakh, 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 uh, Kazakhstan, excuse me, was 15% of the world demand and they're now closer to 50. Uh, and the world's challenges were saved by Kazakhstan coming from zero to hero in, in that, that brief period of time. Uh, now we're looking at a situation where the, where the resources are going to be in a five years down the road and be a similar situation as they were in 2005 and six. And, you know, I don't think Kazakhstan Kazakh, Kazakh, is not going to be there to save the day for the suppliers uh, or for the utilities anymore. Um, and it's going to be, you know, the risk for utilities is growing. It's, it's, it's such, there's such consolidation geographically in terms of the players. And, you know, as the big projects like the Rangers and the Comanax and the Cigar Lakes a decade from now uh, die, you're going to need, and due to resource depletion, you're not replacing them with single projects anymore. I mean, it will happen. There'll be another, you know, there's an arrow that made there could be others. And I don't believe in the complete you know, depletion curve scenario, uh, even in the Athabasca, but man, you're generally going to replace those with smaller, multiple smaller deposits. And uh, I, if you're a hundred million pound deposits are hard to come by. We're sitting on one at Shea Creek that we know isn't closed off. I, I do not understand uh, uh, why anyone wouldn't want to know that sooner or later. And I think they do want to know that sooner or later to just their, finan- their financial constraints are just different. Right? I, I can convince shareholders to do this. They have, they have to run a business and it's different. Um, and, and a business that uh, that's that's predicated on cash flow um, and uh, and state support. Okay, so have- I, I want to ask you what your options are because you're in discussion, right? Yeah, but I can ask you: Have you got options to force this? Oh yes, yeah, we do. It, it's it's you know. So if they don't do work over a certain period of time, we can we can execute a program. Uh, well, that's public knowledge. So, what, remind us what that is. That's not public knowledge. If if they don't do work over a two year window minimum, we can do probably a million dollars worth of work. And so, we could pull that trigger any time. The question is, what's a million dollars do when you know that you you know? I, I like to do a bigger program than a million dollars. And a million dollars is a lot of money. Don't get me wrong, but you get a chance to test one or two targets, and we have ten. And you have to assume that you're going to hit the very best with a million dollars. You're going to hit the very best target in the very first try. And if you use up that, you use that up. Then how long does it sit for? Again, so I'd rather. I think there's a risk that if we, if we're wildly successful on the first holes, which you know I, I'm comfortable to saying that we give it a try. But if you didn't, uh, then what does Arano do? Do they sit on it for five more years? Uh, before doing it, or do you embarrass them into doing something by having a success? And I think that's what we're challenged with. It, it destroys it. That kind of heavy handedness destroys the relationships between the partners as well. And I don't think we want to do that. 
You know, we'll not well, just yet. No, I understand that. Like, I had a really good conversation with you last week about, you know, the thought processes that management's, management teams, boards, and CEOs have to go through. So I I'm kind of want to, again, understand when I say, when I ask the question, do you have options to force their hand? Yeah. Is there a, like, a, me in my banking days, if someone came to me and said, right, if I can get an engineer situation like this where I can force my partner out or at least to give up a large proportion of, of, of their holding by spending X dollars contingent on you giving me giving me money, I think I can do that. And they'll and I'll say to you, well contingent on you getting that in writing, I'll give you the money. Yeah. That's quite an, it's quite aggressive. But when I say have you got options, is that an option in your bag? Oh yeah. No, no, it, it, absolutely. And then, so I don't, I think when we, our discussion that we've narrowed it down to a certain window of opportunity and that comes down to getting what the value, what the right price might be. So that's kind of where we're at in that whole process. Um, we, we can force things through, through the joint venture, which I don't really want to do uh, because I think it it's a one and done and it's not on a whole one. It's like getting, a, you get one small swing at the, at it and you hope that you hit the home run. But yeah, I think I like, I like to be able to do a little more than that. Uh, but yes, we've been talking to them about how do we get, you know, how, how do we, it's exactly the kind of thing you were just talking about. What does it take to get to that finish line? And I think we're, there's, there's, we're, we're not far apart, but we're far enough apart right now. Okay. Okay. Shake Creek, watch this space. Um, but you're on it. Chris, oh, yeah. Christy Lake, we talk, you talked earlier about the, the summer draw program and you know what, what your hopes are there. But again, how much, you, you're in a bit more control there, obviously. Um, so you, control, yeah. Right? So you can throw money at this thing. There's one of your two flagship growth stories. You can throw money at that. Do you, again, I'm trying to get back to what's changed. Oh, no, we, we, want, we want to do more. We want okay, to do good. More. So what more? Tell me we what the more, more bit is. Well, it's, 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 it's not so much identifying the targets because I think that we have in spades and say what things you want to do. It's just how much money do you spend there? How much, how many of those do you test? So the operational tempo is certainly going to go up on those projects like shake, you know, when we get shake Creek liberated uh, to do work at, at Christie Lake for sure. Uh, and then, you know, when we look at uh, the, probably some of the next projects, there'll be some targets on our hidden bay project because they're basement hosted shallow train. And we're getting good. You know, we, uh, I know that it didn't strike people in the last news release that we put out a couple of weeks ago or last week that uh, this alterations and we picked up North of the Raven horseshoes is something, but it, our team's pretty excited about it. Um, so yeah, those projects will see more money uh, in a shorter period of time. And so operational tempo will definitely go up on those because it's, I think we're now at a point in the market where just, you know, we've been very methodical uh, waiting for the right time to, to invest this money. Uh, and now the pay, I think people are ready for the pace to, to move up and we can invest more money. And when we do do these things right, uh, okay. in a given project, instead of doing a million dollar program, it's maybe a $4 million program. Right. Okay. Spring coil. We're ready to go. So do you go out and raise more money to do that? You've got five and a half million in the bank, you told me. 
Yeah, I think, well, we need to raise the money to pay back the Denison angle. And I think our, our view is that, so, hey, what do we want to get through to the end of 2022? Um, what do we anticipate we're going to see that our share our funding obligations at JCU are going to be? And what do we want to accomplish on our other projects? So, yeah, I think when we look at that, we would probably want to raise that 25 to $30 million range. So we'll be sitting on 10 to $15 million in the bank so we can do more. Okay, fantastic. Okay, and let's move on to this. So the 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 farm out. You've got mm-hmm. 31, 32 projects? It'll be 32, 31, sorry, when we add the JC projects. Righty ho. Okay. So you got a bunch of projects. <laughs> we talked about uh, of, of which 27 of them are probably not valued in the company, yes. Right. Okay. Okay. So what are the ones you're looking at um, which you think we can farm this out or or flip it out, because we've got cobalt in the mix here. Um, and what's the prior order of priority there? Yeah. So I'll just do the cobalt one because it's the, by far the easiest to discuss. Uh, we definitely want the cobalt spin out to occur before the end of the year. And there are two properties in that portfolio that are grassroots, focus more on the cobalt nickel angle that probably go with the West Bear project into that spin out. Uh, so that's something we definitely want to do. I, I think it's very hard for us uh, in our bigger uranium state to sit there and put money into cobalt. So. Yeah, that, that and and I, I've told you before that we've been patient about waiting for things to change. The cobalt market is certainly changing. The cobalt price has gone in the right direction, uh, and there's an absolute uh, complete lack of exploration in the space for cobalt. So uh, while there was in 2017, 2018, a very hectic pretend, uh, you know, flavor of the month kind of scenario where people were pretending to be in the space, no one's really exploring for cobalt. So I think there, there's a bit of room there now. Uh, in today. So we'll work on that. When it comes to the projects that we would consider vending going forward, I think that quality of those projects have changed. So what I mean by that is we had that real pre-grassroots portfolio and we were kind of saying, oh, let's do, let's only work on those because we don't, we only have, we have four tar- projects we really like that we didn't really want to vend out assets in because we didn't have higher end projects like we were bringing with the JCU side. So while we won't vend out Hidden Bay, there are pieces of Hidden Bay because it's a huge property um, that we would vend out. You know, for example, our MacArthur, or MacArthur, excuse me, McLean South Target, where we've got Eagle Point type scenarios. And then that's near and dear to the hearts of my geologists. They love it but it's not going to get funded in the current portfolio right now of what we're going to do because we're focusing on those other projects. Maybe that's something that, uh, you know, something that would be a flagship project for almost any other uh, junior company. Uh, and pieces of that project can be, we can start breaking things apart uh, to be able to vend more higher end projects that will get more interest, I think. So I think what you've seen, if you looked at that pipeline chart that we are, the table we have has our pipeline, we wouldn't have ever touched anything inside that resource and mid-stage category. Now those are probably more accessible. I love that. I love that phrase, pretending to be cobalt companies, because it's so true. <laughs> so, so here's the question off, off of that is, if you are going to format some of your assets or parts of some of your assets, you can play that one of two ways, because there'll be people pretending to be uranium companies if the momentum comes, right? You've got to pick companies that either you think there's a good strong momentum story and you'll be able to you know ride that wave and you know make make a few quid by by, by selling shares or you're going to, have to pick companies that you think could genuinely have a chance of getting into production at some cycle down down the down the line at some point right so you've got you've got a few ways you can play this so are you going to be a purist about it or you just think this is just about the money 
I think it comes down to the right group, the right time, and depending what their op- their options are. There are clearly players in the space that know what they're doing and they don't need our help. And there are certainly players that want to get in the space who don't know where they're going and, and don't know how to get there. And if you look back at the very last cycle, I think there was a ton of money raised. And I, and I my opinion was that people just started to get dangerous and know what they're doing when the market collapsed. So, you know, if, if it's people who have money and want to get into space, well, then they, they can lever our team and we can work with them to, to get access to what I think is a very high caliber exploration team. Uh, if they're a high caliber exploration team that can, can do things on, uh, on their own, don't need our help, great. So I think that the style of deal comes down to who comes to you and what assets they want to talk to. But I think the thing we'll probably avoid is the people who don't know what they're doing and say, we're going to do it on our own because then that's how you get assets stranded. You get stranded on an option agreement or an option on an option agreement or an option to have an option or something that you give away an interest that doesn't accomplish a whole lot. And that happened a lot in the last cycle, to be fair. Well, it went from 50 companies to 500. Since yeah, and it, and, it was, and it was crazy. And um, it, was, it was painful to watch, uh, having bended out a couple of projects back then, uh, to watch things... Um, watch the wheels spin as they started to get up their learning curve knowledge. And I think that, uh, I think the way it struck me best was my former boss when I joined Cameco, the VP exploration took me around Cameco's second floor office building or second floor of their office building in Saskatoon. And we took about half the space and he probably could have fit hundred people in the space and the cubicles and the whole bit. And he goes, you can put every uranium exploration geologist in the world in this office and have room to spare back in 2001. So that's the learning curve that people start. And that wasn't just the Athabasca side, that was the global side. And so that's your Africa expertise, your Australian expertise. And so as they look up the learning curve, they, you know, now there's a lot more skilled people out there available to be had. So I think it's a lot, there's a lot less learning curve to go, but there are a lot of new people coming, want to come into the space as well, who need to either hire the expertise or borrow the expertise. And I think for us, I don't want to have someone invest in our companies who are trying to develop the expertise. They either want to borrow it, rent it, or they have it, but not develop it themselves. So you're, you're talking about um, exploration expertise. Is it a little bit more exploration expertise yeah. because yes. of what happened back then? In terms of teams who have built and produced uranium, not a lot of those. No, no, no. That That's that's a pretty small club. Yeah, very small club. Um, okay. Well, like Roger, I mean, that, that's a nice update. I've got a better sense of what the plan is and how you're looking at things. Um, do you, again, what, what, as a CEO, what's going on up here? It's like, do you look at your, yourself now and go, um, I'm genuinely a producer, or is it just like a like a, a, a sort of nameplate? Because you know, it's it's it seems far away and sort of out of your control. And if you are standing in front of a a financier, a bank institution, whoever's gonna, you're talking to about money, can you say that with utter confidence that I'm now in a new club, I'm no longer an explorer story, um, give me some money. Yeah, no, I, I, believe, I believe that firmly. Do I say we're a producer today? No, I mean, the reality is producer today is going to be dependent upon what happens at Wheeler River before the end of the year on their feasibility study and the, and the work that they're doing with their technical stuff. And if it pans out fantastically, great. We're going to be producers sooner than later. And if it doesn't, then, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a some rethinking or retooling of 
how they do how they do things at Weaver are going to change. Uh, MacArthur River or MacArthur excuse me, Millennium, excuse me, uh, is a is a chemical story. When they're ready to move it, it will move. But I do know it's their number one development project in the basin. We do know that MacArthur is going to come on first, maybe maybe not rabbit lake second. Um, and so they're going to, but they're going to need to replace the cigar lake and it's going to take, you know, it's going to take four millenniums to replace the cigar lake. So they only have one. They're going to need it. It's going to move. So it's just a question of when, but we don't control that. So I don't, well, I'm happy to be, you know, in that developer producer category. Um, what we control is what we can grow, what we can find right now. And that's what we'll focus on. Our, our team's effort on, uh, the company's effort will still be on, uh, will be on financing that, but also making sure we meet our commitments under the development portfolio. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.